Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God, the Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We titled uh, this sermon today, Live a Water-Filled Life. Because it occurred to me that all human life begins in water. Unborn children are carried for about nine months in a watery liquid while they develop into the physical form that God has designed them to have, God having encoded that design in the child's genetic library. I was at Southmore in college when Watson Crick were two scientists from Indiana University, no less, were awarded the Nobel Prize for mapping the genetic double helix, and it caused quite a stir and a lot of excitement in that university scientific culture. Well, after birth from the mother, our born child is invited by Jesus to be born a second time again through the water of baptism. And Jesus promises that this child will be united into the life of Christ, Christ who created the person in the first place. Now, baptism is an interesting event. Started out as purely a religious activity, but has been adopted, at least by Western culture, into a major social event as well, in some cases. The concept of baptism is worldwide, and it's not confined to Christians. There are all sorts of baptisms for all sorts of beliefs and purposes. But Christians keep the act quite simple. It's water and the word applied and spoken together through which the Holy Spirit generates faith in Christ in the baptized Christian. It is complete within a matter of minutes. And you're familiar with baptisms which have been administered in this congregation and in this worship place. This little book I have here is called A Pastor's Care Companion and it consists of prayers and scriptures for weddings, funerals, and for baptisms, and many other things. And in the case of baptisms, it, holds a, it lists a variety of ceremonies that could be, could be followed. In the case of emergencies, that would be the shortest ceremony, and it's very simple. It's one sentence. I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. That's it. You might be interested to know at the top of the page, for this rite of baptism, it reads, in urgent situations, in the absence of the pastor, any Christian may administer holy baptism. Something to keep in mind. Churches and cultures have created additional ceremonies and practices that surround Christ's words and enrich the ceremony and spell out responsibilities of the parents, the sponsors, the baptized people themselves, and the community of faith into which the candidate is baptized. As I mentioned, baptism, Christian baptism enjoys a high level of recognition in Western culture and in the movies. In the 1947 movie Life with Father with William Powell and Irene Dunn, I believe, it was a very popular movie. It was nominated for four Academy Awards. And one of the main storylines in the entire film, and I don't think it was ever resolved by the end of the film, 
was the father's refusal, the father in the film, his refusal to be baptized. You can still see reruns of this film on various cable channels. Another film of more recent years and almost as popular is O Brother, Where Art Thou, where, where it includes a river baptism in the storyline. Now, baptism allows for multiple and various ways of, of applying the water. You can be baptized in a lake, a swimming pool, which is popular in Southern California, a river, a stream, a baptismal tank that in one of our churches in, La, in uh, the Phoenix area, which was worshiping in a high school, they would bring in a huge tank for their baptismal services. You can be immersed with the water poured or otherwise applied, wiped on your forehead as you desire. Technology has not bypassed baptism. It, it has expanded the opportunity for people in remote areas to witness a baptismal service. In fact, I recall a baptism that was administered here in this congregation's place and witnessed here in this sanctuary as well as in Minnesota through Zoom technology, of course. But generally speaking, and generally speaking, Christian churches will accept as valid each other's baptisms they perform if the ceremonies are properly administered. For instance, in college, I was confirmed at University Lutheran Church in Bloomington, Indiana, a campus church. My baptism in a non-Lutheran church years earlier was accepted when I was 13 years old. So you can be baptized at any age as long as you are alive. Christian baptism is not administered for, on the dead, nor is it performed in proxy on the living. Now with all of these options and varieties of practices, the unchurched world may view baptism as a religious and social event and be totally unaware of the theological purpose. And the purpose, as John the Baptist described, is to wash away sin, to cleanse away our sin and receive God's forgiveness. As the scripture says, whoever believes and is baptized shall be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And again, the scriptures say that Christ saved us according to his own mercy by the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit. But this is a Sunday that we observe and celebrate the baptism of Jesus. And we get to answer the question, why was he baptized? He had no sin, and yet when Jesus was baptized, the heavens opened, the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove rested upon him, and God the Father confirmed that Jesus is his son, saying, you are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. And when asked why he wanted to be baptized, Jesus himself answered, because it is fitting to fulfill all righteousness. With his baptism, Jesus paved the way for us to become righteous in God's sight. Jesus was opening the door to glory to all who believe in him. On the day of Pentecost, that door was swung wide open when the 3,000 people who witnessed the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the 11 apostles asked what they must do to be saved. And Peter replied, repent 
and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. St. Paul further describes the close relationship we have with Christ through baptism in these words, which are also read earlier. He says, do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. Baptism into Christ means we live as Jesus lives. Now Jesus was already righteous when he came to be baptized. To live with him, we needed to be made righteous. So Jesus took our sin upon himself, suffered and died on the cross. He paid the price that the unrighteous could not afford to pay, namely death from our sin. So Jesus paid it with his suffering and death. And with his payment, Jesus transferred our life of living as slaves to sin and death to living alive in Christ. What does it mean to live alive in Christ? It means a lot. It means everything. It means that our baptism gets us out of hell's prison and into heaven's glory because we are connected by faith in Jesus and we're walking by faith with Jesus and we're empowered by the Holy Spirit to tell those still enslaved to sin that actually they can be free. They have been emancipated from slavery that leads to eternal suffering. They have been emancipated to freedom, living this life with Christ by faith in his death and resurrection. And they have been emancipated to living in his physical presence in the glory of heaven forever. What can we expect this life lived? What can we expect it to be like? Well, where is he taking us? Jesus, that is. Where is he taking us? What does he want us to do and how will we know what to do when we get there? Now the Gospel of Matthew gives a detailed record of what Jesus did after his baptism immediately. He said, Matthew records that Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil for 40 days and 40 nights. And in that time Jesus withstood an all-out assault on him from the devil. And the devil attacked Jesus in the most vulnerable areas, and Matthew only mentions three, power, riches, and glory. But Jesus withstood all of the attacks using the power of God's word. Now, isn't it interesting that he does this because it's almost like a redemption of what Adam and Eve did in the Garden of Eden at the beginning of, of, of time or, or humanity. Because they, when they were in the Garden of Eden, facing the same temptation from the same tempter in the same way, in the same areas, the tempter could convince them that maybe God's word really isn't all that true, that you really can't count on it. And so when they saw the fruit from the tree of knowledge and what they thought it could bring them, they succumbed to the temptation they had the knowledge of God's word that would dismiss the tempter in a second if they had believed it. 
but they believed the lie instead. But Jesus comes in, in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights and with, withstands all the assaults of Satan that he had to offer, and he did it for us. So our lot would not be with that of Adam and Eve. Our lot and our future would be tied up in him, in Christ. For Christ wins the victories over sin, death, and the devil, and he wins them for us. From the old Adam, all we received were lies and death. From Christ, the new man, we received grace and truth. And we can be equipped with God's word, as Jesus was equipped with God's word, to overcome the tempters that you know we're going to encounter. And what are we to do to simply tell everyone what he, Jesus, has done for us and for them. Where do we start? It's no surprise we start at home. When I was a young boy, my parents taught my brother and me to read the scriptures, to pray, memorize the books of the Bible. It wasn't done on a regular basis, but it was done often enough that I still remember it. They taught us about baptism and the triune God and their lives exemplified the Christian lifestyle as they understood it to be. Luther prepared his small catechism for home use. So in the home, the parents could instruct the children and exemplify the Christian life as Luther spelled it out. Baptism is not a checklist item. Unfortunately, I think sometimes we take it as such. We walk by the font every time we're here and probably don't pay much attention to it. But we did this morning, and it was quite a refreshing exercise. For the children, I was surprised they remembered. And for us, too, to see them recall it so vividly as well. But baptism isn't a checkoff item. It's something that is an ongoing activity. Luther encourages us to daily remember our baptism. We should say, revisit our baptism. And he writes, baptism with water signifies that the old Adam in us should by daily contrition and repentance be drowned and die with all sins and evil desires. And that a new person should daily emerge and arise to live before God in righteousness and purity forever. Baptism is a lifestyle. Baptism is a water-filled life. Daily, our faith in Christ washes the sin from us, fills us with the Holy Spirit to send us into our jobs, to our appointments, schedules, and all that we have to do, bringing the good news that Christ lived, died, and rose again to set you and me and everybody else free to live with him forever. Now, Luther described the old Adam with some violent language, and if it is a little hard to wrap your mind around that, try this image instead. It's something that a new mother offered as she talked about reliving and revisiting her baptism. She said, each day when I bathe my baby and I sponge some water on her head, I watch the water run down her head and over her body, and I remember my baby's baptism and I remember my own baptism. In Jesus' name, amen.